You're listening to Win the Day with James Whitaker. What we do in life echoes in eternity. Broadcasting from Los Angeles, California. This is the number one podcast to help you win the day every day. Here's your host, James Whitaker. Let's go. Welcome to this special edition episode of the show. Last night, I posted in the Win The Day group on Facebook to see if people wanted a Facebook Live or a podcast so we could talk about everything that's going on right now, and the overwhelming vote was for a podcast, so here we are. As you know, it's been hysteria around the world in recent weeks with the outbreak of coronavirus, which has got whole countries forcing their citizens to stay indoors, trillions of dollars wiped off share markets, and people fighting each other in supermarkets over who can get the last stash of toilet paper. Yes, that really happened. We're going to get into all the hysteria so you know what's the truth and what to ignore. We're going to talk about how to manage your finances during this time. I'm getting a lot of questions about that one in particular after the New York Stock Exchange shut down yesterday. We'll also talk about how worried you should be about your investments and if you've got some cash on the sidelines, what opportunities might exist in the current climate. Before we begin, just a reminder that you can subscribe to Win The Day with James Whitaker and get access to episodes as soon as they are released. The show is also available on YouTube if you're into the video side more than audio. And if you're enjoying the show, I would greatly appreciate it if you could give it a five-star rating or share it with a few friends so we can help more people win the day. This is also the one-year anniversary of Win the Day with James Whitaker. Thank you to everyone who has supported the show thus far. It's been a wild ride, but I promise you this is only just the beginning. This year in particular is going to be huge. And did anyone notice a sweet new intro, by the way? I thought one year in, it was time to shake things up. Alrighty, we've got lots to cover today, so let's get into it. First of all, what is coronavirus? I'm only kidding. Hopefully by now you know what coronavirus is. It originated in China and is quickly spread around the world. As you've no doubt seen in every media outlet, people are dying and trillions of dollars are being wiped off share markets. How worried should you be? Well, there's a difference between worry and panic. Essentially, yes, you should be worried. Yes, you should be worried. We'll explain why shortly, but no, you absolutely should not panic. This is just what happens. Every eight to 10 years, there is a recession of some type and the market has never failed to return to its previous high. Everything is cyclical, even though the cause is different. In 2007, 13 years ago, it was the subprime mortgage crisis. That happened because a bunch of idiot investment bankers slapped a AAA rating on massively leveraged and vulnerable assets and then onsold them to as many institutions and other people as they could. This is probably great timing to reflect on the Warren Buffett quote, only when the tide goes out do you discover who's been swimming naked. Well, a lot of companies in 2007 had been swimming naked with their over-leveraged balance sheets used to pursue increasingly aggressive practices to maximize their wealth, the wealth of the investment banks, in the short term. The tide went out and their companies were destroyed, as they should have been. The share market is driven by two things. That's pretty much it, two things, fear and greed. That's why in a bear market, companies are generally priced lower than they should be, and in a bull market, companies are generally priced higher than they should be. And when I say priced lower or higher, I just mean their share price. 
In 2007, we had been in a bull market for so long that people became very forgetful of the important lessons from the past and thought the good times would roll on forever. Well, obviously they didn't. While I don't feel that people were as aggressive now as they were in 2007, there's a very good argument that share prices were a little overvalued in the last few months, which is good news for shareholders because the value of their investments rise. My wife and I bought a house in Los Angeles a few months ago, and I cashed in a lot of shares to make that purchase, so that transaction benefited from a very strong prolonged gain in the share market. That ended up being great timing now that the market has dropped considerably. But there's another really important lesson here, and it's that no one can consistently forecast what markets are going to do in the short term. No one, not even Warren Buffett. And if they're telling you they can, they're probably selling you a product and you should run like the wind in the opposite direction. However, as I said earlier, the market has never failed to reach its previous high. So you can have faith in economies of countries like the US and Australia because the share market is a collection of real businesses. That's what it is, a collection of real businesses with real management selling real products to real people and creating real profits. I've always been very optimistic about the American share market in particular because of its focus on innovation and track record of churning out companies like Google, Apple, Facebook, Amazon, Microsoft, and a whole heap of other ones I bet you can think of. For the share market to disappear and all the wealth and investments in it, the world population would have to disappear. So the people saying you're going to lose all your money in the share market, they don't know what they're talking about. But if you are invested in one company only, which is obviously a horrible strategy, your money could certainly disappear. And we'll talk more about that later in this episode. So that's a bit of an insight into market behavior. Let's quickly touch now on coronavirus. People are out fighting each other over toilet paper rolls, spending all their money on medical masks that have quickly increased in price and stocking up on water. All of these scenarios are the result of panic not worry, and there's a very big difference. For example, depending on where you live, toilet paper is probably made locally, so the only one benefiting from the hysteria is toilet paper manufacturers, so good for them. Facebook has banned advertising of medical masks because they don't want people exploiting a public health issue after a flood of masks appeared on Facebook, selling for up to $1,000 each. These face masks are great for healthcare workers, but they're not as essential for those who aren't in close contact with a lot of people and practice basic hygiene, like washing your hands and not touching your face, just as you would to avoid any illness, especially in the winter. And water, well, if we're at the point that coronavirus has infiltrated our water supply, I mean, that's bordering on ridiculous. Unless you live in Flint, Michigan, your water will be fine the way it is. If you want to stock up on an emergency kit so your family is okay in the event of an earthquake or some other type of disaster, that's smart, but you don't need to be bashing people at your local supermarket for the last roll of toilet paper or the last sip of water. We've got a lot of people, including President Trump, comparing coronavirus to the flu. Trump has done a lot of amazing things for the economy, but anyone comparing annual flu statistics to coronavirus is an idiot. We still barely know anything about coronavirus. It's spreading rapidly, it has no vaccine, and many of the statistics are either fabricated or misleading. That's just what happens when the outbreaks begin in non-democratic countries like China and Iran. 
Until we add more certainty to the situation, we should continue with the worry, but avoid panic, and certainly avoid comparing it to things like the flu while we're still uncertain. We've got a lot of great stuff still to get through in this episode, such as what industries are the most affected and what you should do with your money right now. But first, if you're in Australia, I'll be speaking at We Are Podcast on the 30th of April and the 1st of May in Brisbane, my hometown. Well, not my hometown anymore, my former hometown, Brisbane, Australia. This event will show people how to leverage the power of podcasting to stand out and grow your business in 2020. For tickets, just go to wearepodcast.com. It's a phenomenal lineup and I'm so excited to be there. With the uncertainty going on right now, it's the perfect time to think about what you're going to do differently to grow your business in 2020. So if you're thinking of starting a podcast or simply want to leverage an existing podcast to massive growth, grab your ticket before they sell out. Go to wearepodcast.com wearepodcast.com. All right, back into it. Our feelings to what's going on now come from what we read in newspapers and see on the news. Remember, these companies are agents of chaos. They profit from clicks. And clicks come from negative and sensationalized news, a hell of a lot more than they come from balanced and positive news. The truth is a distant secondary objective for them. That's why these outlets report market drops as trillions of dollars wiped off the share market, but use percentages to talk about a market gain. Because a market gain of 2% might actually represent trillions of dollars, but it's the hysteria that drives clicks. That's why trillions of dollars wiped off the share market is a lot more of a clickbaity article than a market gain of 2%. For those concerned about the market volatility, yes, there certainly is a lot of volatility. And there's actually an index that measures this volatility. It's called the VIX. Yesterday, the VIX hit its highest reading in almost 12 years, which was at the height of the subprime mortgage crisis in 2008. Now, this volatility happens in every single one of these cycles, so don't panic. It's completely normal, and it will start to ease as more information is made available. Another thing to ease volatility will be when a vaccination for the coronavirus is released. But just remember, even though several companies have claimed that they have discovered a vaccination, it will still have to go through rigorous testing and clinical trials before being approved by the FDA. And at a minimum, this will take months. No one wants a repeat of thalidomide, which you might remember was the anti-nausea drug that was prescribed to pregnant women in the 1950s. And that went on and caused birth defects and changed the FDA approval process forever. Measures are in place to help insulate markets from extreme drops. And this is what we saw yesterday when the New York Stock Exchange closed. It closed for 15 minutes. What happened was six minutes after trading opened, it was suddenly halted because the S&P index had dropped 7%. And most people who are investing for the long term are aiming for returns of about 7, 8, 9% in the market. So if all of a sudden the index drops 7% in one day, yes, that's very, very volatile. And it was the first market-wide halt since 1997 when the market had fallen 7.2%. You start to see the similarities here. That was 1997. Previously, we just spoke about 2007 and 2008, what happened with the subprime mortgage crisis, and now we're in 2020. The market is cyclical. As a safeguard, if there's a 20% drop in the markets, there will be a trading halt for the rest of the day. This is just on the New York Stock Exchange. So investors can take a deep breath, possibly a yoga session, and then resume with more leveled heads the following 
day. Think about it, fear and greed. No one is reporting it, but yesterday was actually the 11 year anniversary of the bull market that we're in. 11 years of the bull market. That's a lot of gains. And certainly the 8% drop in the Dow yesterday didn't get anywhere near wiping off all those gains, even though it was the largest point drop in the Dow's history. For those who don't know, the Dow Jones as an index attracts 30 large publicly owned companies, which many people use as being indicative of the share market as a whole. So it's been a great run. And given what we spoke about earlier, that no one knows what the market will hold in the short term, the recovery could resume any day. Although signs are pointing to volatility and slow growth in the short term, while so much is still uncertain. Let's talk about who might be affected the most. Well, China, as you can imagine, is in big trouble. Already a lot of companies were starting to move their manufacturing, especially back here to America over the last two years. Think of it like a major brand in the midst of a huge scandal. It's a stain that people will remember for a long time. It's important to remember that data coming from China is very hard to trust. It's notoriously unreliable, whether that be for coronavirus victims or manufacturing statistics. The same can be said for Iran, which you might recall was the second country that had the major outbreak. Even their health minister got taken out by the coronavirus. And Iran is another country that wants to protect its reputation over the health and well-being of the citizens of other countries. On top of all this, there's been a battle in the oil industry like you might have seen yesterday between Russia and Saudi Arabia when the oil price dropped by 30%. That's another huge issue in itself, but we don't have time to cover that today. However, you can safely bet that low oil prices will be good for the market as a whole when we do start to enter that recovery phase because operating expenses will be lower. In Italy, the Prime Minister ordered its 60 million citizens to stay home. I mean, that's going to have huge ramifications for the country's economy. Imagine if you have a hotel in Positano and all of a sudden you can't get tourists from outside because flights are being cancelled and the whole country is in a lockdown. But the top priority for Italy right now is reducing the exposure and transmission of coronavirus. They just want it out of their society once and for all, and they want it done quickly. Their economy is an important but secondary objective. Other governments like Australia and the US have been talking about bailout packages and stimulus packages more and more, and there are varying degrees of sentiment on whether or not that's a good or a bad thing. Well, what industries have been impacted the most? Well, cruise ships have certainly hit an iceberg. It seems like every cruise ship had a health or gastro scandal before the coronavirus, so I can't see them coming back strong anytime soon. Some governments have even advised their citizens to avoid cruise ships altogether. Obviously, any economy or company that relies heavily on tourism will be feeling the pinch. There's a company in Australia called Corporate Travel Management, and their share price dropped a year and a half ago after hedge fund VGI shorted CTM, Corporate Travel Management, for unscrupulous business practices. And in a couple of years since then, they've fallen from $33 to $9 a share and are definitely a company to avoid since they're heavily concentrated in the travel industry. 
Any companies that manufactured exclusively or almost exclusively in China would definitely be one to steer clear of as well. The larger companies like Lululemon or H&M, they typically spread their manufacturing around the world specifically for a risk of this type. They might have manufacturing in India, Indonesia, Mexico, or the Philippines, or even all of those countries. But if a company manufactures exclusively in China, they're toast. It's a classic practical example of why you shouldn't put all your eggs in the one basket. You should also be cautious of any company that is over leveraged or has reported large losses in the last year or two. If they can't thrive during a bull market, it's hard to imagine that they're well equipped during a potential downturn or recession. The airline industry will be one to watch. Even though the airline industry has always been a very fickle beast for investors, there will certainly be some big opportunities for airlines like Qantas with strong balance sheets who have enough cash to access new routes or acquire smaller operators who don't have strong balance sheets. The events industry has also been hit hard. I mean, events are getting canceled a year out over here in the US, which is crazy because we don't know what the future holds. All of a sudden, if they release a vaccination in the next couple of months, does that really warrant an event a year away being canceled? So hotels and other big resorts are certainly going to feel the pinch because those events are a huge part of hotel and resort revenue. The ones that cater for weddings should be okay because people are still going to keep getting married, but less money filtering through the economy means people will have less money to spend on their not as lavish anymore weddings. Not that that ever stopped people previously, as you know, so maybe those engaged couples will just load up on their credit cards, which if you listen to the Win The Day show regularly, will know that that is a bad idea and a horrible foundation for your marriage. I always thought it was funny that when people dedicate their lives to each other and promise to spend the rest of their lives together, the very first thing that they have to do is organize an enormous event which massively puts them in debt. So yes, that is a horrible foundation for your marriage. I also feel sorry for Corona, the beer company. I mean, that actually used to be one of my favorite beers, even though I'm now a Peroni man. It must suck to have a product, one that people drink no less, named after a virus that is causing complete chaos around the world. That being said, the company reported a 5% increase in Corona beer sales for the last four weeks. So maybe it's true that all news is good news. And a lot of the movements that we're seeing in the share market with different companies, a lot of them are already priced in. So it's hard to bet now on a drop unless there's some extreme movement from here, such as another 20% drop, which would almost certainly represent a good time to buy. In the event that happens, which means the share market would drop about 40% as a whole because of the 20% drop we have already experienced, you need to think about industries and companies with strong balance sheets that should be insulated or even benefit from the coronavirus hysteria. If people are staying home, they're probably going to be using Facebook more, but Facebook advertising revenue will be down because companies will reduce marketing expenses. That's the way you've got to think about these things. You can't just think one dimensional. We know that companies are already forcing a lot of their staff to stay home. So what are they going to be doing? But what is the effect that are going to filter through too? Not just on the user, but also for the companies, especially in these two and three sided networks like Facebook. Disney has also made a lot of moves and is a very attractive company, but people will be concerned about their theme park revenue taking a hit, which of course is a very valid concern. 
But if you research the company, you would know that only 26% of Disney's revenue comes from theme parks. So a corresponding increase in subscribers to their growing media division would certainly offset their theme park loss, especially if you invest for the long term. That's the type of opportunity that might be good for you. A lot of companies have been hammered while others have been quite resilient. Costco is one that has been resilient because it sells consumer staples that people will always need. If people are stocking up in the hysteria, they want a lot of toilet paper and canned soup and everything else like that, Costco is going to be one of the first places they will go. I actually even mentioned Costco in my next book, which is coming out in May. The book is called Andrew Carnegie's Mental Dynamite, and it's available for pre-order right now on Amazon. It just came out yesterday for pre-order, and I believe, depending on where you live, there's even a 50% discount for people who pre-order. So you can go and check that out. Just go to Amazon and type in Andrew Carnegie's Mental Dynamite, or you can type in my name, James Whitaker, and you should be able to find that product and pre-order it right away. I'm so excited for that project. It's got some incredible stuff in there, and I know you will love it. All right, back to Costco. So let's just think about it. If it gets caught up in another huge drop like we spoke about, if the market ends up falling 40% from its high, it would definitely be a company to look at because of its dividend yield too. And you know what? As I get older and wiser, the more importance I place on having a good amount of your money in a simple index fund, such as something that tracks the NASDAQ, because it's a low cost option that anyone can do. It'll give you exposure to the market as a whole. And the last thing, as we said earlier, the last thing you want to do is put all your eggs in one basket. But if you're invested in an index fund, you're invested in a parcel of companies with real management and real products and real profits like we spoke about earlier. All right, hopefully that gives you an overview of industries and companies to look at and stay away from. Again, it's really important that you research this a lot because there's still so much uncertainty right now. I also always recommend seeing a financial advisor you trust because they can recommend an appropriate course of action based on your unique circumstances, goals, and risk profile. If you don't know any financial advisors who are good, let me know and I'll do my best to put you in touch with someone. As a start, just look for someone who is a member of the governing body in that country, such as the FPA, the Financial Planning Association in Australia, and has the CFP qualification. So the CFP is the Certified Financial Planner qualification and is generally the hallmark, along with the governing body, of someone who's pretty good at what they do. But if you're struggling to find someone, just email me and I will do my best to help you. On the investment side, it's important to remember that you should invest for the long term. Another thing the media likes to keep from you is that it's only a paper loss when you sell, when they're talking about trillions of dollars in value wiped off share markets. It's only a loss when you sell. If you didn't sell during this hysteria, you wouldn't have the loss. Markets go up and down all the time. It's literally what they're designed to do, and it's completely normal. Don't buy into the fear and crystallize your loss because if you've invested wisely in the first place, a downturn should represent more of an opportunity than a time to panic. If you've got some free cash right now, you could also consider using dollar cost averaging, which is a strategy to smooth out any volatility. The idea behind dollar cost averaging is that you continue to buy X number of shares each month, no matter what. When the market is performing strongly like it has for the last 11 years, your portfolio will be doing well. And when the market is weak like it has been for the last week, you can buy more shares at a cheaper price. 
This strategy protects against the futile task of timing the market and over the long term, you'll have a lot more money working for you than you would have otherwise. I spoke about dollar cost averaging and a lot of other investment strategies in episodes 10 and 11 of the Win the Day show. Those episodes were called How to Become a Financial Winner Part 1 and episode 12 was How to Become a Financial Winner Part 2. So you can go and check them out and make sure you're covered for everything on the personal finance side. If you're young and you've got a stable job with a good salary and some spare cash on the sidelines, you could also consider borrowing to invest. You just need to do it conservatively. Interest rates are at record lows pretty much around the world right now. So if you can get a good dividend yield as well as growth in the share itself, and you invest in a diversified portfolio of quality assets using the dollar cost averaging strategy we just mentioned, this is one of the best wealth creation strategies you can have if you're a young person in that situation. Just don't do it if your job is uncertain or if you don't have free cash or if you're older because for older people in particular, wealth preservation becomes the biggest priority. Again, my advice for all this is to take the necessary precautions and sit tight and wait for more certainty to come out, which it will in the coming weeks and months. Above all, ignore the news because they focus on the smoke rather than the fire. Well, that's all for our special edition of Win the Day. Remember to hit subscribe, give it a five-star rating, and share the show with friends so we can help more people win the day. You can also subscribe on YouTube and get access to exclusive content there. If you're in Australia, remember to go to wearepodcast.com to get your ticket and see me on stage in six weeks' time so we can talk about how to grow your business using the power of audio and establish your voice to make a difference in the world. I promise that event will be incredible and the early bird pricing will be ending very soon. Wearepodcast.com. Get out there and win the day. Until next time, onwards and upwards, always.